welcome, guys. Welcome back. Uh, some new faces, some faces we haven't seen in a little while. A um, little bit of a review here. We're in a series called We Need to Talk. Um, are we recording, Zane? Are we all good? Okay, good, man. Thanks. Um, we're in a series called We Need to Talk, as you can tell from the right there. Um, and we're going through the book of Philemon, uh, and we've gone through kind of the first third of it last uh, two weeks ago. Then last week we went through um, kind of the middle portion, and then this week we're going to finish things out. And, and just so you know, why is it called We Need to Talk? What's going on? What is this about? Um, Philemon is a super short book in the Bible. It's half a page long in my Bible anyway. Um, and it's about this slave named Onesimus uh, who runs away from Philemon. Philemon owns a house church, right? The church meets at his house. And for whatever reason, Onesimus ran from Philemon. We don't know if there was mistreatment. We don't know um, if Onesimus was just kind of a jerk a little bit. Uh, we don't know. But they split. He ran away. Onesimus runs into Paul in prison. Philemon is one of the four prison epistles. Epistles is a fancy word for letter. Um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philemon, and Colossians. Paul wrote these from prison. He meets Onesimus in prison. Onesimus becomes a Christian, and Paul says, I'm so thankful that you've become a Christian. I'm so thankful that you're a new believer. Now, you need to go back to Philemon and make things right. You two need to reconcile. You two need to come together and talk this out. And so, in a way, this book is, yes, it's about the power of conversation, but you could go, you know, you could YouTube a TED Talk to learn the power of conversation, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but... The point of Philemon is to show how the gospel affects our conversations, how what Jesus Christ has done for us affects how we talk to other people. And kind of the, one of the themes of this series has been how um, unspoken words are kind of like a cancer in our church. Um, you don't say what you want to say to somebody, and so it just builds and that's where gossip comes from, and unmet expectations, and anger, and it just infects things. I think this happens in families, you know? You really want to sit down with mom and say what you need to say, but you don't. And so it just continues to grow, or vice versa, and it just continues to grow. And so um, that's kind of some, of the, some things we've been learning the last two weeks. And now, this week, we're just going to kind of finish things out. So we're just going to take, we're, we've only got about seven verses left. This will be a little bit of a shorter night. Yes! And, uh, and then we'll be done. We'll be out of here. And we'll, you guys will have successfully conquered Philemon. Okay? Before we get into it, though, I'm a huge nerd, and so I love recommending books to people. So the one that, that keeps coming back to me, again, is a book called Imperfect Courage. Okay? Imperfect Courage is the name of the book that I want to recommend to you guys. Um, and the way this book works is it's about this idea that you don't have to be fully prepared to say something big before you say it. Step out. You see how if I was fully prepared, I would have perfect courage and I could do it. But the whole book is about this idea that step out, begin to try, begin to have these conversations and awkwardly work your way through these things. Start talking to people. So I want to recommend that book again, Imperfect Courage is what it's called. So, um, we are in the book of Philemon. We are closing in to the finish, and uh, let's get started. So, Philemon, chapter 1, there's only one chapter. Philemon, verse 17, uh, is where we ended it last week. Um, Paul says, If you would regard me as a partner, accept Onesimus as you would accept me. So, Paul is talking about, again, Philemon, welcome him as you would welcome me. Don't 
Don't be a jerk. Don't cut him off when he's talking. Don't tune out when he's talking. Treat him the way you would treat me. Listen to him. Care about him the way you would care about me. Now look at verse 18. Now this is where, this is where we, we kind of learn some new things. But if Onesimus has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Now this is where scholars like to think that maybe Onesimus might have stolen from Philemon on his way out. He didn't just run. He didn't just leave. He actually took things maybe to sell so he could have money to survive. We don't really know. Um, but Paul says, whatever he owes, charge it to my account. Let's back up for a second. This is the gospel. Okay? We talk about all the time, Jesus died for your sins. You owe God something. You owe God. And Jesus comes in and says, whatever he owes, charge it to me. Whatever sin he owes, whatever things she's done wrong, charge it to me instead. Paul is embodying the gospel here. And in my, now again, I'm just a note taker, it's up to you. But if you are a note taker, if you're circling in your Bible, circle verse 18 and then draw a line over to verse 6. Connect those two verses, okay? Connect those two verses. And I'm going to read verse 6 while you're doing that. Um, and I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. And again, we talked about this in week one. This is the verse where everybody kind of tunes out because they don't really understand what it means. So let me break it down for us one more time. Um, one of the biggest ways that your faith grows is through seeing that faith lived out in someone else. And the example that we used is, you know, I can talk to you about forgiveness and how Jesus forgave you of your sins a lot. And that's good. I mean, you got to start somewhere. But until you, like, imagine if you saw someone who was genuinely wronged, right? Genuinely wronged, and they said, it's okay. It's okay. And they, you see how they've taken that and they have forgiven that person? That costs us. And now that you've seen that forgiveness lived out, you've actually watched somebody forgive someone else, you understand forgiveness more. Does that make sense? Every time I mention forgiveness, you're going to think of that person and what they did. And now when I mention Jesus Christ forgives you, that forgiveness makes a lot more sense because you've seen it. You've, you've not just seen it, you've felt it. Does that make sense? You have experienced this forgiveness. First thing, too, this, this, is, this is why church is so important. One of the 50 reasons why you need to be in a church body, why you need to be surrounded by a community of believers, because this is the only place where you'll see this. Non-believers can't act out their faith. Does that make sense? And that's not a, to unbelievers, I'm just, it's a reality. They can't act out their faith. So you can't grow in your faith through watching them. You grow in your faith by watching believers act out their faith. Does that make sense? Look at verse 6 again. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith, so the fellowship of the church, I pray that the church may become effective, may grow in power. How do they grow in power? Through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you. So I pray that the church that you attend will grow in power through learning more about the good that is in all of you. I pray that Ryan will grow through watching Lauren forgive, through watching Clay show charity and kindness. By me watching him, my faith grows. 
And that's what Paul's talking about. Now, what does this have to do with verse 18? We'll look at it again. Verse 18. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Paul is trying to show Philemon the gospel before Philemon has to have a hard conversation. He's trying to grow Philemon's faith, strengthen Philemon's faith. Wow, Paul, you would do that for him? You would do that for me? You don't have to do that, Paul. Golly. All right, I'll talk to him. You see how he's, Philemon is watching Paul demonstrate the gospel. Philemon is watching Paul's faith, and that is getting Philemon's faith ready to have a difficult conversation with Onesimus. Does that make sense? Right before you guys are about to have this conversation, know that everything that, that he owes, just take it out of my account instead. Man, that's, that's, wow, that's love. Okay, I'll talk to him. One of the things we talked about last week, the point is not just to have the conversation. We're going to come back to that in just a second. It's not just to, you know, my point is not, now get out there and be somebody and go talk to people that you got to talk to, which is important. But one of the things that I highly recommend that you do before you have to have a difficult conversation, spend, don't just jump into it. Spend some time praying to the Lord. Asking him for help, reminding yourself over and over again of the gospel. This is why Paul, before, he doesn't just say, you know, if, if the point was just to have a conversation, the letter would have been even shorter than it already is. But the point is, I want to refresh you, I want to remind you of the gospel by, by giving you an example of the gospel. Jesus took everything that I owe, so let me take everything that Onesimus owes. Let me show you the gospel before you have to have this conversation. Remind yourself of the gospel before you have to have these conversations. So Paul is living out his faith in verse 18 so that Philemon can see it and Philemon's faith will grow before he has to have this conversation. So that's verse 18. Verse 19. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention that you owe me even your very life as well, Philemon. All right, it's kind of two halves there, right? Uh, If you're taking notes, you may want to circle verse 19 and connect it to verse 1. And here's the reason. We talked about this in the first week, obviously, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Paul doesn't say Paul the apostle. He doesn't say Paul the disciple. He doesn't use his church title. In verse 1, because he's writing Philemon as a friend. He's, and not that being an apostle is bad, but he's approaching him as a friend, right? This is a very intimate thing. We talked about how when Paul wrote First and Second Timothy to Timothy, his son in the faith, he, never, he, he addresses him as the apostle. He uses his title. He doesn't even do this with Timothy. Paul is coming to Philemon in a very personal way. Now go back to verse 19 where he says, I write this with my own hand. One, this is one of the reasons we know that Paul wrote this letter. Okay, right? Uh, and, like, and scholars will, I didn't expect that to trickle the way it did, but like scholars will be like, whoa, we don't know. But okay, okay. like what are you, you going to do with this? Like, but you'll have arguments about this. And, there's, and the big thing too, think about it. Like you couldn't just like, you know, search the email address that this came from. Like people had to sign and write in their own hand. Paul talks about in other letters, I write this in my own hand. This is my handwriting. You know it's from me. That's one of the reasons he says, but, but the second thing is this. A lot of times, now remember, Paul was way up high in the Sanhedrin before he becomes an apostle. He was a very 
um, very wealthy, very well-respected scholar. In those days, those guys didn't write their own letters. They had people write it for them, right? Does that make sense? Um, you'll see all throughout the New Testament, some of Paul's letters are being written by other people. Um, we, we like to think sometimes maybe that Peter was helping Mark write the Gospel of Mark. Um, it's one of those things. And Paul's saying, I care about this so much that I'm writing to you in my own hand. No one else is writing this for me. It's like, I don't know, like today, like if you get a letter that someone has written versus an email, you know, it's just a little bit more personal. It's that extra step. And Paul is saying, listen, I didn't even get somebody else to write this. I'm not taking, this is my thoughts directly on the page. And then secondly, he says, um, not to mention that you owe me even your own self as well. Again, Paul is reminding Philemon of the gospel. Again, I shared Christ with you. I shared who Jesus was with you. I helped you become a Christian. The least you can do for me is talk to this person. Right? Again, he's using the gospel. He's not trying to blackmail Philemon. He's not trying to force him. This is one of the points of Philemon too. Um, persuasion can be gentle. Persuasion can be gentle. You don't have to strong arm your way through things. Um, that's one of the signs, I think, one of the fruits of Christianity. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Um, not softness. It doesn't, it's not Greek for doormat, right? It's not that you just get walked over. It takes strength to be gentle. It really does. Um, Christians are gentle. Paul doesn't, again, he doesn't use his apostleship. He doesn't try to strong-arm Philemon into doing this. Because if you want to change somebody's heart, you've got to be a little bit softer. Does that make sense? So this is what Paul, again, he's reminding Philemon of the gospel again. Verse 20. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Refresh my heart means remind me of, of Jesus' goodness. Remind me of this. Um, we talked about this last week. The point of the conversation, Paul writes to Philemon. He doesn't say, have the conversation. He says, refresh my heart in Christ. That's the point, which means the point of this letter is not just to have the conversation. The point of this letter is so that Paul can be reminded of who Jesus is, that Paul can be strengthened in the faith. So when you have to have difficult conversations with people, when you have to have difficult conversations with other people, the point of the conversation is not even to get what you want. The point of the conversation is to show Christ to other people. To show Christ in your conduct, to show Christ in your tone, to show Christ in how you listen. So that even if you walk away from that conversation and you didn't get what you want, you have shown the other person Jesus Christ. And remember, Christ was firm. Christ was gentle. Christ was truthful. Christ was honest. Christ was a listener. All these things. This is what it means. You're mad at somebody. You want to get what you want, so we need to have this conversation. The point of the conversation is not to get what you want. You present and you state your case clearly, honestly, firmly, kindly, glorifying God the whole way through. Which means you don't get sassy, you don't get personal, you don't go for the knees, you don't do those things. That's not what Christians do in conversation, right? 
Looking at you, politics, right? Does that make sense? Looking at you, C-SPAN and Fox News. There, I got both. C-SPAN and Fox News. Everybody's cool, right? But it's just this idea of this is the point of the conversation, to not gun for the knees personally. When you do that, you have to ask yourself, and this is something else that I would recommend, before you have to have a hard conversation, one of the things to pray about is not just help, me, help the conversation to go well, which is fine. It's not bad. I mean, it's not like you don't think that. Pray that, but also ask yourself, this is what I want. This is making Jesus look glorious. If I don't get what I want, am I still going to be satisfied because I made Jesus look glorious? And if getting what you want means more to you than making Jesus look glorious, you need to wait before you have that conversation. That's something to pray about before you have that conversation. Get that up here. Value Christ. I want to refresh this person's heart in Christ. I want to refresh my own heart in Christ. The point of all conversations for Christians is to glorify Christ. Yes, we're honest about what we want, but the point of conversation is to glorify Christ. Um, Verse 21 Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. So Paul, so this is a huge deal. This is a big conversation. These guys do not like each other. Onesimus and Philemon are not cool. They are not on good terms, right? And Paul is saying, I am so confident that not only you, that will you guys get cool, but you will do even more than I ask. Really? That's bold, right? These guys don't like each other. Think about people that, I don't know, for me it's my parents. Like, if you have to apologize to your parents, not that this is any of you guys, right? If you have to apologize to your parents, you're just like, I'm sorry. And it's done. Does that make sense? Like, you set our house on fire, Ryan, what are you doing? I'm sorry. That's it. Like, that's all. I said it. Whatever. We're cool. See you later. That's it. But if it's someone that, like, that, like, you know you've wronged and you really you value their opinion, you value their affection, you value what they think of you. You don't just do that, right? Like, if they're upset with you, it, it just drills into your soul and it bothers you. And you go out of your way to do the to make it up to them, to apologize, to text them the next day, hey, how are you doing? Are we cool? To follow up again, you probably apologize more than once, to where it gets annoying, like you do that again and again. Paul is saying, you're going to do that with Onesimus. I'm confident in your obedience. What in the world? He's confident in Philemon's heart. He's confident that the gospel will have an impact on Philemon's heart. When was the last time we thought about the gospel like this? So often we think that Jesus is just the guy that you meet at the end of the aisle on Sunday, if you even walk down there. But the gospel changes everything about us. Jesus reaches in and changes everything about us, including how we treat people we don't like. How we treat people that we're angry with. Paul is saying, you're going to go the extra mile, in a, the, the, the extra texting, the following up again. You're going to do that with this guy that you don't like. This is the power that the gospel has on somebody's heart. Is this beginning to happen in your heart? Is this beginning to work in your heart? Spend time on this. 21, 22. Here we go. 22. At the same time, also prepare for me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. So this serves a couple purposes. One, Paul's saying, listen, I'm coming to visit. So man, I really hope that you guys are cool. Does that make sense? Like, it's going to be super weird. I wrote this letter to you from jail, 
and you guys didn't do anything, and now I'm out of jail, and I'm coming. Like, we're going to talk this out. Here's what, here's what I think this is trying to allude to, and this is important. Um, sometimes we just can't do it on our own. Like, sometimes you'll get the teaching, you'll get the preaching, you'll know the right thing to do, and you just can't do it. And this is another reason being in a church is so important because that's where I have to help you. You don't want to tell your parents about this, and, and this, is, this may be more with high school and middle school, but you know, you know that you have to talk to your parents about this. You know you do, but you don't want to tell them. So I will tell them for you, and you're going to hate me, and you're going to be mad at me, and blah, 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 but I know this is the right thing to do. Um, you can't just keep singing reckless love until you think you're ready to do something. Sometimes you just have to step out and do it, right? But sometimes you won't do it. You won't do it. Um, Matt Chandler, the guy in the video, he has this thing where um, if someone comes to his church and confesses that they are addicted to pornography and they're married, Matt Chandler, get this, Matt Chandler says, you have 24 hours to tell your spouse or I will. Not because he's trying to bust them, but because that, there's healing that has to take place. And if you don't move, someone has to move for you. And that's, and that's grace. That's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of being in the church body, the body of Christ. When the left arm can't lift something, the right arm will do it. You're not going to tell your spouse. You're not going to tell your parents. You're not going to... You know, you two aren't going to have this conversation? Fine, I'm going to text both of you and we're going to meet. And we're all three. I'll sit with you and we'll have this conversation. Because if I just sit here, you two are never going to talk this out. And that's what Paul's saying. I have full confidence in you, Philemon. I have full confidence in Onesimus as well. But I'm coming too. So in case this doesn't happen, I'm going to be there to help you. And I think that's what we need. I think we need to do that for each other. Um, we're going to talk about what it means to be in the body of Christ some next semester. But listen, part of it is this. And think about this before you, before you join a church. But know that this is part of it already if you're a Christian. Um, my body. If I jam my finger, if I jam my left index finger, the rest of my body is not like, oh man, thank goodness it wasn't me. Like the whole body feels that pain. Does that make sense? Thank you, Lauren. Like, you follow that? The whole body feels that. As a member of the body of Christ, your business is not just your business anymore. It's not just your business. If you're, if you're addicted to something, if you're drowning in something, if you are struggling with something, that affects everything. That affects all of us. If I'm smoking... My arms aren't like, oh, thank goodness it's just the lungs, right? That would be stupid. But it's stupid for us to think, you need to stay out of my business. This is between me and God. Not anymore. Because you're a member of the body of Christ. And, that's a, and I know it's like, eh, but that's a good thing because that's how we help each other. That's how you get better. And that's what Paul's saying here. I'm coming too. I'm going to be there in case you guys can't handle this. I will be there to fix this. Think about it. Paul could have gone anywhere to, to evangelize. He wanted to go to Asia. He wanted to evangelize more places. But he goes back to a church that's already established in Colossae. 
to be sure that this conversation takes place. All right. Uh, and also it says, through your prayers I'll be given to you. There's power in prayer. I know like we hear you see that on Instagram all the time or whatever. But Paul legitimately believes that through prayer he's going to get released and sent back to Philemon. Don't doubt that prayer has power. Don't doubt that prayer matters. I think a lot of times, I can't see the results, so I guess the prayer doesn't matter. Look to the Bible. Paul says, Paul, he, I think Paul gets it. I think Paul knows. Maybe we should trust Paul and not your sophomore year philosophy degree. Does that make sense? Due respect, right? Okay. Just saying. But I think that too, like, prayer doesn't work. Can you imagine Paul being like, oh, Ryan, oh, you've had a year of seminary, mm, and you don't think prayer works. Well, Paul thinks prayer works. How dare we think that it doesn't, okay? Last thing, verse 22 through 20, excuse me, 23 and 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus greets you, as does Mark, here we go, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul leaves us with a lesson here. Two people, I want you to circle their names. Mark and Damas. This is the story of Mark. Um, this is Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark, by the way. Um, Paul, when he starts out in the book of Acts, Paul is Batman and Robin with this guy named Barnabas. In fact, Barnabas is the one who's, who's, who's better received everywhere until Paul finally begins to really start showing out. Barnabas and Mark are cousins. Okay, And this is in the book of Acts. You can find this in the book of Acts. Barnabas and Mark are cousins. Um, you may want to write down, in Acts chapter 13, Mark, Barnabas, and Paul are on mission together. And Mark gets cold feet. Mark starts to doubt. Mark's faith starts to wane. We don't exactly know the reason. Mark abandons them in the middle of the journey. Not cool, right? So later on, in Acts chapter 15, they're back all together. They're about to go out again. And Paul says, I don't want Mark to come with us anymore. He abandoned us last time. We can't trust him. This is going to be hard. I don't want him. And Paul and Barnabas, you may have heard about that. Paul and Barnabas, who have been best friends, ministry partners the whole time, they split over this. And Paul goes by himself. And Barnabas goes with Mark. They split over this. Now this is years before Philemon is written. And now look at what it says. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as does Mark. Mark is back together with Paul. They're working together again. Listen to what a guy named Justin Taylor writes. This little encouragement tucked away in this letter is that Christians of goodwill can have painful separation and unresolved conflict, and yet the end of the story hasn't been written. Perhaps there are former friends who have deeply hurt you, and you don't yet have the sort of reconciliation that you want. This example of Paul and Mark suggests that though it may take years, God plays the long game. No relationship is irrevocably beyond repair. Have you been wronged? Do you have someone in your life that it's just not going well with right now? God plays the long game. Take encouragement from Paul and Mark. Take encouragement. These guys split. It was over, right? And now they're Friends again. They're doing mission together again. They're together in Rome. So Mark is either in prison with Paul. Remember, Paul's writing this from jail. Or Mark is ministering to Paul at great risk to himself. 
Mark has gotten braver. Mark has grown in the Lord. Two last quick things. Number one, you see this first guy, Epaphras? Um, let, me, let, me, let me say this. Especially in this generation where passion is huge, Bethel is huge, elevation is huge, um, Piper, Chandler, Platt, all these guys are, are, are great. Um, Jen Wilkin, don't want to leave out the ladies. Uh, you know, all these great people, right? All these great teachers and churches and everybody wants to be a part. 95% chance all of us will end up like Epaphras. Who's Epaphras? Exactly. Does that make sense? I think too, and I do this. I fall into this trap. We want to be Paul. We want to be Chandler. We want to be Piper. We want to be Giglio. We want to be Levi Lesko. We want to be this big PVN students. We want to be this great, huge thing. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with wanting to grow and wanting to do better and wanting to be remembered. But 95% chance we're going to end up like Epaphras. Keep that in mind. And, and Epa- there's nothing... Nothing wrong with that. Keep your perspective. Remember Epaphras. Chances are that's who we're going to be. And that's okay. Because, man, I can guarantee you Epaphras has no complaints about that now, right? Last one. Damas. You may want to write down 2 Timothy 4.10. In 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul says in his last letter to Timothy, Paul is in the prison cell. He's going to be martyred under Nero. Um, shortly after, we don't know how shortly after, but Paul knows it's coming. Um, and Paul says that Damas, in love with this present world, has abandoned me. This is after Philemon. All right, so Mark was before Philemon. They reconciled. Right now, Paul and Damas are great. They're serving each other together. They're serving in the Lord. Later on, Damas will leave Paul. And we don't have any record of Damas coming back. Doesn't mean he didn't. We have no record. Damas has abandoned Paul. Listen to Justin Taylor again. Some of us have had those close to us walk away from the Lord and make shipwreck of their faith. It may be a friend or a colleague or a mom or a dad, a brother or a sister, a son or a daughter. It may even have been a pastor. Shot across the bow there. Um, After they fall, listen to this, after you lose that friendship, okay? After you lose that friendship, After they fall, we often soul-search. Is there something I could have done differently? Is there something I should have seen? Is there something I should have said? I'm thankful that Paul doesn't just tell us that we are supposed to live peaceably with everybody. In Romans 12, 18, write that down. Romans 12, 18, Paul says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Romans 12, 18. So as as far as it depends on you, We've talked about this before. Don't try to what I call Mother Teresa everybody. Where they're mad at you, you've done the best you can, but you're still like dragging, like grabbing their feet. Please come back, please come back, please be friends. Paul says it's not what Christians do. You, have, you are required to glorify Christ in your conversations, to do the best you can to be at peace. And if the other person won't have it, that's on them. You, say, you do the best you can but at the end of the day, Paul says, Romans 12, 18, if they won't have it, then that's on them. Last part, Justin Taylor says, though we must make every effort, sometimes, no matter what we do, people we love and trust will ultimately choose to walk away to avoid walking in the light. Paul, he wrote Romans 12. You think he didn't do everything he could to win Damos back? But he still left. Sometimes they just leave. And I know it's like, 
Wow. Appreciate that end note, Ryan, exclamation point. But I think it's important that we get perspective on this. Because what happens so often in church is I preach or somebody preaches about, go do this. And you're like, yeah, and you go do it and it doesn't work. And you're like, what? I, I listen to the podcast. It's supposed to work. One, God plays the long game. But two, sometimes we have to remember that we live in a fallen world and that relationships, no matter how much we try, won't be reconciled. But we have to give that to God. And that's what this whole book is about. We have to give our conversations to the Lord before we have them. We have to glorify Christ while we have them. And then we have to trust Christ to do the work after we have them. Let me say that one more time and then we're finished. We have to, we have to give these conversations to the Lord before we have them. We have to glorify Christ while we have them. And then we have to trust the Lord with the results after we have them. Spend Thanksgiving break is coming up. And I know it's like, oh, another book. Thanks, Ryan. Um, spend some time in Philemon. It's half a page. And, we've, and the podcast will be up, so you can literally walk through it all. Conversations are in the fabric of every piece of our lives. I think we need the Lord Jesus in that more than maybe anything else. Does that make sense? We need him in these things. Read through this book. Grow closer to Christ through it. Let's pray. Let's pray.